You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. teaching on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5. It really is designed to teach us how to experience more of God, how to experience more of God's power, his presence in our lives, how to really begin to tap into the blessings that God desires and longs to release into and over our lives. And Jesus says one of the ways of having those blessings kind of released over our lives is really found there in the teaching of the Beatitudes there in Matthew 5. And, you know, as a video really kind of is illustrating is here are some ways to experience more of God. And this really is the goal of what Jesus is trying to get at in the teaching here on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, it, it, again, it is just to move us to a place where we just have greater vibrancy in our spirits, where just more and more as we press into God that our hearts just kind of come uh, just ablaze, on fire uh, for more and more of what God has for us. And so I want to just kind of continue on this series that we've been looking at as we're kind of, again, contemplating and really looking at how do we begin to apply uh, what Jesus is teaching here. How do we begin to apply this and really begin to walk this out in our lives? And so far we've looked at the... At the uh, First six of, of what are really considered eight statements of Jesus' teaching there uh, in Matthew 5. And so today we're going to kind of look at the seventh one, and I, I'm just going to just, you know, prep you right up front. We're not going to get through all of this um, just because there is so much. And we're just, we're a culture right now uh, that really is just awash in conflict, um, in tensions. And so there's just really, I think, a lot for us to really absorb uh, from this just into our own personal lives. So I, I'm going to kind of take a couple of weeks and really kind of just um, take us more slowly through this beatitude because there really is, uh, I think, a lot of us who really don't understand what it is to be a peacemaker. Um, and yet this is what Jesus calls us to in this particular beatitude there. And he says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God or children um, of God. And so as I stated throughout the series is, you know, you kind of look back at that list. You know, you just kind of begin there with the very first one that Jesus gives, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And again, that whole poor in spirit, again, it's just realizing how impoverished we are in our relationship with God. Meaning that we kind of see, here's where I am currently with God. And yet understanding that God has so much more that he wants us to walk in and to understand and to receive from him. And so where we are and where God desires us to be, it's kind of this gap. And it's in that that we kind of see our poverty. We see that, that you know, we, we just need more of God and we're, and we're just aware, uh, uh, again, of that spiritual deficiency that we have in God. And then it kind of leads us into that second one, blessed are those that mourn, that we, we see that gap, we see that deficiency, we see our spiritual poverty 
that, that we just need more and more of God. And so our hearts cry in that mourning. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted or satisfied. So as we look at that spiritual poverty, we just begin to cry out to God, more of you, more of you. God, we need more of you. And so, again, as you kind of work your way through that, what you'll kind of find is, is that the one beatitude kind of just leads you naturally into the next one. It's almost kind of like, like you would expect it to flow. Uh, you'll also kind of see as you kind of begin to go through that list, they just kind of become more difficult uh, to walk in. The other thing you'll also kind of notice um, about these is that they are all kind of interrelated. Um, and, and walking in certain beatitudes makes the ones that are to come a little easier to apprehend and to begin to walk in. And I, I think this is especially true of the one we're going to begin to look at today. So when you're walking in meekness, you know, Jesus said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So as you kind of begin to walk in meekness and gentleness and kindness towards God, and you begin to do that, walking that out towards others, it just kind of makes peacemaking a whole lot more um, appealing uh, and, and easier to apprehend. Um, so when you're merciful, and we, you know, Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, they shall receive mercy. So when you begin to walk in mercy before God and you begin to walk in mercy towards other, again, it just makes peacemaking a whole lot more appealing, desirable, and achievable. And that's why, again, I think this particular beatitude, again, it's not a coincidence that they fall in the order that they do, and why I believe this particular one kind of falls toward the bottom half of the list is, again, because without purity of heart, you know, Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Without purity of heart, without a hunger or a thirst for righteousness. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Again, without that, again, it just makes peacemaking so much more uh, difficult. Now, again, one of the most important, if you've not yet discovered this or figured this out, one of the most important life skills you can learn if you're ever going to achieve any level of success in life is you got to learn how to deal and to resolve conflict in a healthy, positive way. Every one of us in this room, myself included, probably more so than maybe those of you, every one of us, we need to learn how to resolve conflict, how to restore or to reconcile broken relationships. Again, if you don't learn this, I'll guarantee you, and some of you know this just by your own experience, your inability to resolve conflict, to resolve conflict, it just can make your life miserable on many levels. Again, because we're all going to face conflict. If you're not in conflict now, you will be at some point. It's just conflict is inevitable. You get two people together, and no matter how compatible they are, there's going to come a time or a point where you're going to be involved in conflict with that person. If you run from it or you try to avoid it, uh, you're just going to be miserable. And, and it's just, again, it's going to uh, impact your life in negative ways. So again, to succeed in life, I think to uh, any degree that you're going to be satisfied with, you have to know how to resolve conflict. We need to know how to do that at work. We need to know how to do that in our marriage. We need to know how to do that with our children, perhaps with your 
neighbor, even with people here at church. It is amazing to me, the number of people that will come to church, they'll get involved, they'll get active, they'll maybe, maybe go on to membership, and then all of a sudden, they're just gone. And I'll kind of contact them, and what I'll find out is they had some kind of conflict with someone, whether that would be a person on staff, me, someone within the congregation. They didn't know how to resolve it. And so the way that they chose to resolve it was they just quit and moved on and went somewhere else. Again, the problem with that is, is that you can go to a new church, I mean, you can go to a new job, you can move to a new neighborhood, but the fact is, is if you don't learn how to begin to deal with conflict, you're going to constantly be changing churches, changing neighborhoods, changing jobs, because no matter where you go, you're always inevitably going to run into conflict with people. And so Jesus said, blessed are those of us who are called and equipped to be peacemakers. Because he said, what's going to come of that is you're going to be sons and daughters of God. In other words, you're going to begin to live life the way God would live life, the way Jesus lived life. So again, this is one of the most important um, skills uh, to happiness in life. Now here's the problem. Most of us were never taught how to do this effectively. As a matter of fact, most of us have been taught more how to start a fight than to resolve a fight. I mean, in my own personal life, I mean, I grew up in a household where I never ever saw my mother and father ever, ever exchange uh, a crossword with each other. I never ever saw my mom or my dad in any degree of conflict, ever. I just kind of was under the notion that my mom and my dad were the best of friends, that they never fought, there was never any conflict, never any tension between my mom and my dad. When I was in high school, I remember my mom sitting me down one night and saying, your father and I are getting a divorce. I, I, just like, where did that come from? I mean, I didn't even know my, my, my parents were having problems. And so what I really began to learn was that my mom and my dad had a huge amount of conflict and tension in their marriage, and they never knew how to resolve that. Everything was kind of just swept under the carpet. Everything was kind of just suppressed. And consequently, I really didn't grow up really learning a whole lot about resolving conflict. I kind of just grew up with this notion that really if you were married and your marriage was healthy, you never had any conflict. So imagine my surprise when I got married, and shortly after the honeymoon, my wife and I started having problems. I mean, it scared the daylights out of me because I just thought, man, this is going to be just like my mom and dad. I'm going to end up in a divorce because I did not know how to navigate or to deal with conflict very effectively. I knew how to pick a fight with my wife. I mean, I knew what buttons to push. I knew how to kind of get her going, get her riled. But I didn't know the first thing about how to deal with conflict in marriage. And I think a lot of us maybe kind of grew up in similar families where, you know, we maybe saw a lot of conflict in our families, but we never knew how to resolve or to move through that in any way that brought about conflict resolution, that brought about healing, restoration. And that's what Jesus is getting at. He's talking about, man, blessed are those of you that know how to make peace because you're going to be the sons and you're going to be the daughters of God. So in most cases, nobody really kind of taught us how to resolve conflict in a healthy, positive way. 
And again, I've always said in conflict, it really has kind of this ability to be able to kind of separate you. And, and that's what a lot of us experience in conflict. We go into conflict and it just separates us. And we walk away from those friendships. We walk away from those relationships. We have nothing to do with them. So, so conflict really has a way of either separating us, but you know what? It also has the ability to unite us, to bring us together if we know how to do it in a positive and in a healthy way. Oftentimes when conflict separates us, it's because we're using very unhealthy maybe negative ways of resolving that conflict, and that's just the fruit of it. But again, when we begin to learn kind of how to be peacemakers and how to begin to plant seeds of peace, and we're going to talk about that, really, you know what? It has the ability to kind of unite us and to make us stronger than we were before. It's one of the issues we even deal with on staff. You know, I mean, I know that would probably come as a big shock to a lot of you to know that there are times we have huge disagreements on our staff. There are, there are just times, issues, personalities. I mean, I'm not the easiest guy to work with. I know you find that hard to believe. You know, I, I can be I'm moody. I can, I mean, I come in, I have bad days. I want to take it out on the staff. You know, so there just are times where we have to kind of sit down and we got to work through issues. And again, it would just be very, very tempting. And we can get up here and just kind of put on a big show in front of the congregation, you know, that we're the best of friends, that we, you know, get along. But it really takes a lot of work behind the scenes of just really being honest sometimes with one another. And we've had, we've had painful conversations um, on our staff because, again, peacemaking is it's difficult. And it doesn't come natural for any of us. And so again, I want to kind of begin to talk about what does the Bible teach us about being peacemakers? Uh, so if you're here this morning, you picked a good day to come. And again, we're not going to get very far into this because we had a lot of baptisms uh, first service that we didn't have this service, so I didn't get very far, so I got to keep us all kind of running at the same pace, otherwise I kind of forget, okay, where's first service at compared to second service? And you guys are such, you guys are just much quick, faster learners than the people in first service, so don't tell them I said that, you know, because... So anyway, again, it's just really, really important that, that we learn this. So if you're here this morning and you've got conflict in relationships or you're kind of in the midst of trying to restore a broken relationship, I just really think that the series is going to be very, very helpful uh, in equipping you to be able to... Um, to do that. You may be here this morning and everything is just hunky-dory. All, all of your relationships are just very harmonious and, and they're you know, great, grand, and glorious. And you may not need this right now, but I'll just guarantee you at some point in life, you're going to need what we're talking about here this morning. So hopefully you're going to get so good at this that you're just going to become like ultimate peacemakers that you can kind of begin to go out and teach this to others as well. Because, folks, we've got a world full of people uh, that just do not know the first thing about resolving uh, conflict with other people. Again, first thing that I want you to notice, what Jesus talks about here is says, blessed are the peacemakers, not the peace lovers. Okay, There's a big, 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 big difference between peace-loving and peacemaking. Just because you love something doesn't necessarily know, mean you know how to make it, right? I mean, I love baklava, but I cannot tell you the first thing about making baklava. I, I couldn't do it. I mean, I am a lover of baklava, baklava but I, I have not the first clue of what it is to be a maker of baklava. Again, most people love peace. 
I mean, most people, if you were to ask them, they desire peace. They don't like conflict. They don't want to be in conflict with other people. We love peace. We want peace. But we don't know the first thing about making it, about creating peaceful relationships. And again, Jesus is calling us not to be peace lovers. He says, I want you to be peace makers, those who go in the midst of conflict and are able to make peace. It's one of the things I love about Jason. Jason is very good at peacemaking. Um, and it, it, it's part of what he's been able to bring to our staff is there's just a naturalness, there is a genuineness uh, in that, and, and so he can be very, very healing in that. Um, and again, not that, you know, that makes him free of any conflict or not struggle with conflict, again, he just really has kind of a very natural giftedness uh, in that that he brings to our staff. So again, the important thing here is, is that it's not just loving peace, but we have to be able to know what do I do to create or to make or to bring peace, especially into places of conflict. Because as you become a peacemaker, you know what? That's where God's going to lead you. That's where he's going to take you. He's going to take you into places where there is conflict so you can begin to, to move and to work and to plant the seeds of peace um, in those places. So again, when Jesus calls us to be peacemakers, that really involves, okay? It denotes that this is going to involve a lot of intentionality. we got to be deliberate about this. We've got to be skilled in what it means to be um, a peacemaker. So let me just kind of start off by telling you what peacemaking is not. Peacemaking is not avoiding, okay? It's not turning a blind eye and a deaf ear to the conflict, and you kind of just act like nothing's going on, la, 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 la. Again, it's not appeasing, it's not just giving in to shut the other person up, to kind of make them happy. Uh, it's, not, it's not this attitude, I'm just going to go along to get along. That is not peacemaking, okay? Some people think, I keep peace in my marriage. I just know not to rock the boat. I kind of just sweep everything under the rug. I kind of just swallow it. I just grin and bear it. That is, that is not peacemaking. That is cowardice, Okay? That is avoidance, and it doesn't help at all. So peacemaking, it's not running, it's not avoiding the problem. That is not peacemaking. That is what I would call peace faking. Big difference. A lot of people are really good peace fakers out there. How's everything going? Fine. When their world, their marriage, their relationships are just upside down and inside out, they couldn't be any worse but because they don't know how to make peace, they fake peace. Everything is fine. Everything's wonderful. And in the inside, you know that that's not true. That is not peacemaking. Jesus, again, never, ever ran from, he never avoided a legitimate conflict. Rather, he took the spiritual truths and he just began to apply peacemaking and he brought about peace in those relationships. Jesus knew how to restore relationships. Again, you look at the headlines, you turn on the television, again, you just know there is just conflict all over this world. And again, we see the fruit of that ongoing, unresolved conflict in our country and around the world. Again, as the church, the body of Christ as believers, we are called. We have been tasked with this 
um, mandate to go into the world, to go into our community, our families, our workplaces, and bring peace. So again, this should be so important to us in that we want to be able to set an example so that people can look at you and kind of observe the things you're doing, the things you're saying, and that that they're able to witness how you are able to bring peace in the midst of those conflicts. Again, many of us do not realize how much unresolved conflict can really begin to mess with um, our lives. Some of you have been in a conflict maybe with somebody for weeks, months, years. I've, I've met people who have been in conflict with certain people for decades. Okay, and oftentimes we'll just kind of justify it by saying, you know what, I, I just kind of, I've just learned to live with it. You know, I, I, this is a person I just try to avoid. If it's a family member, I only see him at Christmas and it's only from across the room. I just have kind of learned how to avoid them. You know, I'll just let sleeping dogs lie. Again, not realizing that does inflict damage on our lives, and it's just not a very positive witness of who we're called to be in Christ. Again, the Bible teaches us that when we do not resolve conflict in healthy, positive ways, and you just kind of let it lie out there, you just pretend it's really not happening, you just try to get on with your life, I just want to share with you three potential things that may be happening if that is kind of the way you're approaching conflict in your life. First thing unresolved conflict can do is it really can kind of hinder or impede your relationship with God. Now, I'm not saying that every conflict you have is going to be damaging to your relationship with God. I said it may impede or it may hinder. And again, sometimes the longer it goes unresolved or the deeper the conflict becomes, again, the more potential it really has to hinder and impede your relationship. The problem with, uh, again, unresolved things is it may hinder and impede your relationship with God. 1 John 4.20 says this, you can't love God. God, whom you have not seen, if you don't love the people you do see. To claim that you love God while hating others makes you a liar. That's a pretty strong statement. You cannot, what he's saying there is you cannot be right with God and wrong with others. He said the horizontal, vertical relationships in your life really come together at that intersection of the cross. That's why I say sometimes it, it, it's, it, it reveals part of our witness, our testimony of who we are in Christ when we are peacemakers. Second problem with unresolved conflict, it, it has the potential of hindering or impeding your prayers from being answered. Now for those of us that are married, the Bible in 1 Peter kind of gives some really specific advice there to us, and it says there in verse 7, it says, husbands, be considerate of your wives and treat them with respect. Now, now why does he counsel us in that way? Well, look what he says. He says, so that nothing hinders your prayers. So there are things that we can do if we're disrespecting our wives, if we're not honoring them. It has the potential to hinder and to impede our prayers. A little later on in this same teaching, you'll find that uh, Jesus kind of expounds a little bit on this. And he says there in Matthew 5, beginning in verse 23, he says, Therefore, if you are presenting your offering or your gifts uh, at the altar, and you remember someone has something against you, Jesus says, leave your gift, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First, 
be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your offering. So again, unresolved conflict, it has the potential to impede or to hinder our prayers, our offerings, our gifts, and our service toward God. Third reason why I think we need to take conflict seriously is it can negatively affect your well-being. It can affect your health. I mean, I, I've known people who, who have, you know, maybe come out of a, a, a huge, deep conflict, or they're in the midst of it, and, and they're, they're just, uh, they're depressed, uh, they're not eating, uh, they've constantly got headaches. I mean, their, their body is showing the where and the signs that the conflict is taking on them. So it can really affect your health, it can really affect your well-being. It can affect you emotionally. It can affect your attitude. And so, again, we, we all know this just through our own personal experience. You can be the most famous. You can be the most wealthy person on the planet. And if your relationships stink, your life stinks. So you can accomplish all kinds of things. You can have all kinds of accolades. You can be, you know, honored for all kinds of achievements. But you know what? If your marriage isn't working, if you kind of feel like you're on the outs or distance with your kid, maybe you're kind of just having all kinds of conflicts um, at work. Again, it doesn't matter how much money you make. The Bible says this in James 3.18. He says, those who are peacemakers. Again, this is what Jesus is saying. He's calling us to. Those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace. And he says, and you will reap a harvest of goodness. Now again, as believers, we, we want that. That's what we desire from God. We want to be able to harvest, um, again, a, 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 a plentiful amount of God's goodness into our lives. So how do you do that? How do you plant seeds of peace? What does that involve? We're going to look at a few of the seeds of peace you can plant that will result. I guarantee you this is a promise from God. Okay, you can take this to the bank. If you plant seeds, uh, you're going to harvest, uh, good seeds, you're going to harvest a plentiful uh, of goodness, a harvest of goodness. So again, I just wanted to say if you're not familiar with familiar with this, this is what the Bible would call the universal principles of sowing, reaping. What you sow is what you reap. This is a spiritual truth. Jesus speaks on this uh, many, many times. It is one of the universal laws uh, in the universe and in the kingdom of God. And God designed this principle specifically that what you sow is what you reap. Now, some of you are familiar with that. Um, and this is true for the good and the bad. This is, this is uh, applicable in, in righteousness just as it is in unrighteousness. For example, if you sow gossip, okay, you're going to reap that back in that people are going to be talking about you. If you sow anger and sow anger into your children, you're going to reap, that, that anger is going to come back on you. If you sow bitterness, you're going to get bitterness back. If you sow resentment, you're going to get resentment back. It works either way for the good or for the bad. So again, if you're generous with people, okay, that generosity is going to come back on you. If you're kind with people, people are going to be kind to you. If you're merciful, remember what Jesus said, blessed are those who are merciful, for they shall receive mercy. So if you sow mercy, you're going to get mercy back. But here's the interesting thing. A lot of people don't realize with this principle of sowing and reaping is you don't get back exactly or proportionately what you give, okay? If you plant one kernel of corn, okay, you don't just get back a kernel of corn. 
You plant a kernel of corn, you get a whole stock with thousands and thousands of uh, kernels of corn. Okay? If you plant one tomato seed, you don't just get a tomato seed back. Okay? You get a vine full of tomatoes that are full of tomato seeds. So by the same token, if you plant conflict, you're not going to get it back in proportion. You're going to get it back maybe in 10, 20, 30, maybe even 100-fold conflict. If you plant jealousy, you're going to probably get more jealousy back um, than you can imagine. On the other hand, if you learn how and are committed to planting seeds of peace, you will reap back a bountiful harvest of peace and goodness into your life. So what we're going to begin to do over these next couple of weeks is we're going to begin to look at what are those seeds of peace that we need to plant. The first one we're going to look at, and we're going to start looking at this next week, is the first uh, seed of peace that you need to do is we need to make the first move. We're going to kind of get into that, what that looks like, why that's so important, why I'm beginning uh, with that particular one. And so what we're going to, uh, what we're going to do is um, we're going to kind of just close here. And what I'm going to ask you to do as we kind of begin just to ask God to prepare our hearts, again, because we want to be peacemakers. I, I believe you're here this morning because you do want to be peacemakers. You want to be at peace with other people. Um, and so, again, what I'm going to ask you to do this morning is I'm just going to ask you just to allow God to just bring to you, bring to your heart, bring to your mind uh, this morning. Maybe some of you are here this morning and you've got some unresolved conflicts. Maybe you're in the midst of one right now. Maybe there's a, a relationship um, that you just kind of have walked away from because you just don't know what to do with it. Um, and so I want to just ask uh, you this morning just to be open um, if there is a relationship, I oftentimes think it's really good to kind of bring that um, with you next Sunday um, and, and just kind of begin to ask God to open your heart, to begin to just kind of uh, give you wisdom, give you courage if that's what you're lacking, uh, maybe just insight in how to approach that because we're going to kind of start talking with this first one that, that really... Uh, it may involve you making the first move. Oh, but pastor, I've, I've made the first move the last 20 times. I, I've taken the initiative. I've taken the first step before. Well, maybe God's asking you to do it for the 21st time. So what I'm going to ask is just that you kind of maybe, uh, as we close in prayer this morning, I'm just going to ask God maybe to bring to your heart, to bring to your mind, if there's a relationship that, that God would maybe want you to be instrumental in planting seeds of peace in that relationship. And I'm just going to pray for you as we, again, just prepare our hearts in these coming weeks that maybe there's a relationship that God specifically wants you to take what you're going to learn in this and apply it in that specific relationship. And I would imagine for some of you that maybe kind of creates a little bit of angst and fear uh, for you, a little bit of uncomfortableness, but it's okay. Uh, I, I just believe that God is, is wanting to do a miracle, a, a reconciliation, a restoration in that relationship. So I'm going to invite you to stay in this morning. I'm going to pray for you as we just prepare our hearts before God. Father, we just come to you this morning, and God, I just uh, I pray for each person here, God, that if there are relationships, God, that maybe are strained or broken, 
whether those are relationships in the past or maybe even relationships that we're currently involved in, God, where there's just brokenness and strife. And God, we just pray, Lord, that um, as we kind of enter into this series, God, and as we really um, just seriously take the call to be peacemakers, um, and God, our role in that, uh, Father, I just pray, Lord, that you would uh, just not let this just kind of be a mental exercise, but God, that there would maybe be even relationships right now that we really need to begin to apply this in. So God, I just pray, Lord, in the coming week, God, maybe even this morning, you would just begin to bring maybe one or several relationships, God, where maybe you're wanting to do a work of restoration, of just uh, resolving that conflict, and God, our role in that, and God, you just want to equip our hearts and our spirits to be open uh, to just being a peacemaker in that. So, Father, I just pray that, God, as you bring those relationships to our mind, to our hearts this week, God, that there would just be an openness, a willingness to engage you, uh, to engage those people that we are in conflict with, that, God, you would just give us courage, give us peace in the midst of that, that, God, you would just give us, again, strength, knowing that, God, you are with us, that, God, it is your spirit that's going to lead us and guide us into all truth, into all resolution. And so, Father, again, we just lay these relationships before you. Father, we just ask, Lord, that you would just be at work in these. And, God, as a, we're uh, called, God, to, to whatever may be our responsibility, our degree of involvement in this, God, that you, again, would just lead us and guide us in this. And, Father, we just lay this before you. We lay these relationships before you, God, and just ask, God, that in these coming weeks, that, God, you would move in them, and that, God, you would, again, just use us to, uh, in whatever way we can to begin to plant those seeds of peace. And we just thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.